You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. The Trek Files, Season 9, Episode 2, Genesis 2 Fan Letter, 1973. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Star Trek fans. I'm so glad you could join us again for another episode of The Trek Files. Something a little different today. We're not talking about Star Trek. We're talking about post-Star Trek in the realm of the Gene Roddenberry universe and specifically what Gene is doing after Star Trek and before it takes off as, a, as an entity unto itself. When Gene is trying to get on with his next project and specifically what... Um, both colleagues and wannabe fans are saying about the projects that he's working on. So, have I got you intrigued? Yes, you Trek historians, you're going to love this today. All of you Trekophiles, spelled with an F, are going to love it today. You know what to do. Go over to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. We've got some letters <laughs> specifically over there for you to see for this week's episode. Uh, here's an audio sample coming up, but stick with me. Come right back and I'll be... Uh, here with this week's special guest to talk about it. Dear Gene, you have invented a new video art form. Genesis 2 is a divergent comet in a new direction for telecommunications, one that teases the viewer's comparative sense of himself with a plausible image of the future. Neither the theater of the absurd nor existentialism highlighted man's angst as well as Genesis 2 does. I am confident that you have a hit and that the series will bring you greater recognition than any previous endeavor you have attempted. Use these forces as they come to you rather than trying to explain them. They have a destiny all their own. Well, there you go, Truckophiles. We all know the great hit that Genesis 2 became. The long-running series. No, forget it. I'm making all that up. <laughs> we know that Genesis 2, uh, which is in a way a little bit of a retelling of the Buck Rogers saga, the man of today thrust into a weird, strange future Earth, um, didn't go. It, it became another another pilot reworked by Gene called Planet Earth, and then into a third entity that Gene wasn't even connected with in a hands-on capacity. So it's part of that era when Gene was looking to move forward beyond Star Trek, still keep it alive in some way, but not where, again, in the guise of the time in Hollywood, you you weren't what you did yesterday. And if you hung on to yesterday, you obviously had nothing today to give. So he's looking ahead to his new projects and trying to juggle what this strange Star Trek thing would be. What did not only fans like our letter writer here, but what did the people he had to go, you know, get hired by? Uh, how did they view Gene after Star Trek? That's what's in both of our documents this week. Uh, and someone that I think has a unique view on this, we want to talk about Gene Roddenberry in this interesting time. And I know he's been on before talking about backstage and production and all aspects of that. But I'm, I was tickled to have past guest, longtime assistant director, first and second on uh, Voyager, on Enterprise, longtime industry professional teaching now, uh, Mike DeMeritt. I'm so glad to have you back with us this season to talk about this, to talk about, hear about Gene so much. That's, I know that's an interest of yours. 
Well, it was interesting to me, like, because the problem with something that becomes iconic for anybody uh, is what happens next. Mm-hmm. Um, so this has to be during the period of time where the reruns are starting to show their worth. So he's got some juice coming from Star Trek he would not have had immediately after. Am I right mm-hmm. about the timing of this? Yeah, the syndication actually was that fall, in the fall of 69, was starting. But by the time it was a phenomenon to, say, station owners that were picking up the syndication package, three years is plenty enough time. We're on the verge here. Uh, well, this is the fall of 73. The animated yeah. series is on is on NBC right now. And all those factors are starting to percolate in the you know pre-internet days, the way <laughs> word of mouth and quarterly reports for numbers and sales, all those things are starting to kick in, right? And numbers, because so, uh, more people watch Star Trek in, in rerun than they ever mm-hmm. watched it in broadcast, the initial exactly. broadcast. So, so here you are, I think, you know, you are on not uh, the bottom of the way, you're at the crest. And so you want to parlay that into the next thing. And then the question becomes, how do they how do they treat you? And this is a curiosity that I just asked you about you know, on the side, like, gee, is there anything in the in the all that Star Trek information about what it was like to work on those projects that weren't Star Trek? Because they seem to have been far more of a struggle. And I'm curious if part of it was a compromise. Uh, were they constantly saying, well, this isn't Star Trek enough, or where's the Star Trek feel for this? And uh, we, we, want, we want a Star Trek stamp on this. Was he being sort of boxed? Um, and I saw this this letter, and it feels like he's a little boxed, um, mm-hmm. but he's embracing it. So he's saying to them, this is as good as the best Star Trek we've ever done. right? And that to me is like, okay, he's not afraid to take this moment and parlay mm-hmm. it into mm-hmm. the next thing he wants to do. Uh, but what we don't have a lot of insight to is how much tinkering is going on at the network level uh, to the material he wants to do to make it look more like what we know you do. Uh, And that to me is interesting because in that time uh, you could get pigeonholed very easy. They, They didn't want you to stray out of your lane. If he came out saying, you know, I want to do a cop show, they'd be like, what? You know, nowadays uh, you think of the creatives and, Okay, let's see what you're going to do. Uh, there's much more freedom to do something very different than you have done in the past. You just look at um, um, Terry Metalis, right? Nice. Right. So he's he's a PA on Star Trek Voyager. For those of you who don't know, mm-hmm. uh, works his way up, gets he's in a Brandon's writer's room. Brandon's longtime assistant. Yes. Brandon's longtime assistant works his starts way selling up. freelance scripts to the show. Yeah. And then he then he gets an opportunity to do his version of All Monkeys. Okay, so now that's his showrunner moment and did a great job. It's a great series. They did a good job. It's how it relates to the movie. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it does. may just be conceptual. Uh, but still, as a series standing by itself, it's an excellent series, right? Mm-hmm. And then what's the next thing he does? Well, what kind of sci-fi time travel thing do they put him on? MacGyver, right? So they aren't afraid to, nowadays, to mm-hmm. let artistic people uh, go into the other realms because they've learned the lesson. Uh, it's better to let people be what what inspires them, do what inspires them. So I'd love to know more about this. Like, was was this Earth Two concept? Was this was this Genesis concept uh, something that he was going like, well, this is Star Trek enough, I can get it made, or or was it um, something he really wanted to have made, and it was sort of 
pushed by others, you know, like, you know, you look at the clothing and you look at the way the sets are, are, are designed. It's very Trek feel. Right. Uh, so where did, where did that artistic line go, buzz over? Whose idea was that is sort of what I'd love to know. You, know? Well, you can see the '70s if you look at the, the the photos from the show. It's it's starting to evolve into that '70s evolved pajama pantsuit. You know the, the with the it collar eventually becomes the space the 1999, the the 2001. Yes. <laughs> you know that kind of thing. I it's it's not only is Gene grappling with this and does he embrace Star Trek or you know and promote it or move on, but again, it it sounds trite and it sounds. But nothing had like Star Trek had happened before. Right. I mean, yes, you, ha you you always walked the line between are you going to embrace your past success? But remember, generationally, there was a, a new emerging band of rebels that looked at the demos from Star Trek and said, oh, my God, you canceled your best show. Then you right. got the old line guys, guys, I'm saying, yeah. uh, who are who are like, oh, your numbers aren't, you know, your mass demos aren't what we need. And I really think as as the world is, it's, my God, it is the 60s and 70s, and it is a generational change on everything. And that includes marketing and the TV industry. And you've got old line people looking at Star Trek as a failure. And a lot of those local station owners saw it as a failure. That's why a lot of the syndication packages are being bought by different, different, um, different, different, stations. different stations. But yeah. those, the Kaiser, the Kaiser stations that Dick Block bought for, oh. you can't argue with their numbers and all of their numbers jumped. So it's a weird place, but not only is it weird for Gene, it's like he's pioneering a whole new paradigm himself and having, but he still has to pay his rent. He still has to pay his mortgage. Sure. And the, and the idea of a genre having a following because most most television is built with the idea that it is consumable and then discarded uh, uh, at this, this point time. in time still yes. it's still done like that um it, you start you know even all in the family uh was shot initially on, on videotape so they did not think of it as something people would watch much later on you had the rerun mm -hmm. season and then maybe you'd have another rerun season later on but the idea of home consumption doesn't exist the idea of being able to store it in a place where anyone could access it whenever they want is unfathomable, right? I think it's all right. happening in our lifetime. It's all happened in our lifetime. So so it's an amazing, it's an amazing element that's going on here. They are just beginning to realize the absolute value of reruns and of what right. they call stripping. It's 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 they thought like, okay, yeah, you strip a show for a couple of years after it's out and then it's dead and it doesn't die. And I think they're just beginning to realize like it was out for three years. It's been more than three years, and it's still pulling in the numbers. Is it possible to get people to watch the same thing that was made in the you know ten years ago to watch it again? We and now I do. discover young people who you know who who sort mm -hmm. of back stumbled. They watched the you know they watched the current movies, and then said, "Oh yeah, my dad liked that. Uh, let's watch it." And now they're they're discovering it now. Mm -hmm. Stuff that was made, you know, when their parents were their age. It's a, it's an amazing a new thing that does not exist in the 70s, this concept that you might still be watching this stuff 100 years from now. And no, and not every show, in fact, not even every hit show, unless there's just some really embedded nostalgia factor. But even then, I think if there's nothing to attract the people that saw it the first time as they get older, okay, so now they can rerun, rerun and rewatch it and maybe even watch it on tape or streaming. But if it's not that quality of show, if there's not a hook 
a timelessness to it like Star Trek has. The right. generation that saw it dies out, and then maybe it does go down. Or maybe it's such an artifact of the way production... Like older movies, the original movies in the 20... The silence, but then also the early wave of soundies are hard to watch sometimes, just production-wise, unless you're just sure. a connoisseur. But something about Star Trek transcended the time, and I know we have a lot of younger viewers that say, I just can't... Something about the 60s, the pacing, the speeches, the production value, whatever, I just... It's hard for me to watch unless, you know, they, they're a little older maybe and they've seen things change. But that's what speaks to me about how special Star Trek was, because they... Not just the writers and the actors and directors, but I mean all the craftsmen, all the designers. Nobody knew that they were they were designing for fifty years down the line and trying right. to stay timeless. They just were doing the best they could, and they were all inspired, pretty much, by Gene's crazy, wacky vision of this show, and they all got invested in it. Up and now, and now here's here's Gene trying to start the next thing. Right, right. I mean, they uh, would have been penalized if you'd said, oh, by the way, what you're doing today, people are going to be watching this 50 years from now and studying it in detail. Now go now go build that prop. And you're, what? You know, so yes, things are starting to change by the starting to change doing these pilots. And this right. particular, um, if my, you know, I haven't seen Genesis in a long, long, long time, right? So I have, I have a very old mm -hmm. memory of it. But compared to Star Trek, uh, it's grimmer. Right. It's it's a it's a less rosy future. It's sort of an an anti trek It's like, what if we'd gone down a different path? Well, it's really about way. you've got the apocalyptic future that Trek is trying to the spirit of Star Trek or the Pax and Dylan Hunt, the lead character, are trying to. And this small group of scientists who have been holding the torch are trying to be bring back to the world at large bit by right. bit by bit. And that's that's the flame of optimism. But it yeah, it's couched in in something correct me if i'm wrong but in jeans uh, you know in jeans world jeans star trek there was there a nuclear war third world mm -hmm. war or is that something that comes post sheen it's in jeans world where we talk about that's what's being investigated now with the, the current shows in strange new worlds but they had the eugenics wars that we touch on and then like really don't get back to again aside from a couple of mentions and is the eugenics war world war three or not and as we know with first contact eventually the eugenics wars was its own thing and then world war three happened in the in the 21st century right so, nice. but but we get the problem of how to make the 1990s the eugenics wars, and we've tried to retcon that, and that's about to be retconned again. But sure, it you know you that, just decided the, it didn't happen then. Originally, I think the idea was that we avoided nuking the world, and then we you know they got away from that by the time of uh, next generation. But you, but, but, you know, your the data you have seen suggests that that was part of Gene's storyline. It wasn't an add-on later on. That was a that's Gene's concept. Of, well, you had of the, the eugenics wars that you know, however, you know, thirty million people, whatever it was, died. So there was an, 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 a cataclysm there, right? But they didn't dwell on it. They were basically remember they said we're not going to go back even to Earth of today to show the politics because it was the '60s and that was yeah the, they that didn't want the that to be the at story. This time. Yeah. Right, right, right. Well, see, I love the other tell here is his second letter to, to Frank Barton. At the end, he says, I'm feeling a bit frustrated. He's waiting on the delays of the pilot pickup or not. And uh, they had a script order for six in case this went. So they've, there's six scripts and story drafts in various orders that Lincoln Enterprise sold that we have in the files. But um, he says, I'm feeling a bit frustrated as I sit with this in hand while watching television struggle to find fresh new stories amid the congestion of police, private eyes, and doctors. So it's that same old, I have something sparkly new here if you just wake up and, 
you know, pay attention like Star Trek was, and you let yeah. that get away. <laughs> and and uh, and at the time, I mean, you know, the highest rated TV show I think at the time is Kung Fu, uh, and and that's because it was so not Mannix, mm -hmm. you know, so not Ironsides. Uh, and I think he's right, uh, but I don't think they ever gave him the support that that he needed because they sort of wanted well, Star Trek. This is my, you know, I don't know this. I'm not there, but it's like a, it's like a feeling like, like no matter what he did, it wouldn't be what they wanted. And so he's getting this frustration. And we have a generational, I'm still saying there may be a generational, CBS is Tiffany, the Tiffany Network, and they did get rid of their rural comedies by now, and they've tried to shift and become more relevant. But I still think there's some of that edge to it, because look at our other letter here that we read from, Thomas Turner's letter. He's he a young it. assistant in aviation in McDonnell Douglas, who's going on like Gene is guru gene that will emerge on the college you know lecture circuit and he's talking about things that i don't think anybody in the old school you know offices at cbs is caring about and the bottom line is he has this gushing level of this gushing letter to gene and gene by the time he replies says well they didn't pick us up and we're still waiting to see if there's any crumbs left so he has to kind of like <sighs> poke a little a uh, poke a little uh, hole in his uh, bubbling optimism but he knows that there's audience like Thomas B. Turner out there. It's just how do you connect with the three, you know, the three networks at the time and 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 get sure. It out there. Yeah, just imagine if it was now, right? A streamer would have said, "Let's do 10. right? It wouldn't be mm -hmm. well. That pilot wasn't what we expected. Maybe let's do ten. See what they do. You know, Breaking Bad. You know, the, they were very, very, very hesitant to make Breaking Bad. They weren't sure there was a TV place for that show. But let's do eight episodes and see what happens. And that turned out to be the best decision they made because what happened was people liked it. And that's what I like about the modern era. There's the, the idea that a pilot has to sell to an executive to get a chance for the public to see it is slowly, steadily mm -hmm. going away. And instead, it's uh, let's give this chance to breathe. If we're going to do it, let's commit, see how people react. Instead of having a sample screening focus group for 20 people, let's let the focus group be the world. Be the world. Let's put out, let's put them out, let's put out eight episodes, let's put out 10 episodes and see what happens. And, and I think that there, I think it's more, it's better. There's always going to be losers. There always are, right? So you can't dwell on, on the negatives. You got to look for the positives. I think we got a lot of stuff now that never would have existed in that time because the, too many executive oh, yes. types would not have understood the pilot and therefore it wasn't be worth doing. Yep, the funnel is infinitely wider for everyone's benefit. Listen, Mike, I could I could talk about this stuff all day, but I, I, I appreciate the fact, and I love the fact that we found a slightly different angle, not just on Star Trek, but on Gene. And once again, we're looking at letters from the early 70s here, and it's able to springboard us into a conversation about today, yesterday, yeah. today, and maybe tomorrow, who knows? I think, I think the key word from this letter, uh, from Gene's side, is frustration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Well, I have certainly not been frustrated with our visit today. Mike, thank you so much again for stopping by. Anytime. <laughs> the Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Now, all of our documents and your chance to comment, please do, are available at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. Now, for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. Yes, that's me at LarryNimacek.com. And hey, that's where you can link in for all of our new Trek File swag and shirts at our Tee Public shop, too. Trek well, everybody.
This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.